Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Solar Punk Magazine podcast. Uh, my name is Justin Norton Curtin, and I'm uh, here with my co-host for the day and one of our guests. Uh, I'll let them introduce themselves in one moment, but we want to thank you for joining in and listening. Uh, this is our very, very first episode of this podcast, um, so we're really, really excited um, to bring you great, optimistic, hopeful fiction, poetry, um, and some good discussion, too, hopefully, about uh, the stuff that we read and things that are going on in the world related to solar punk and climate change and all of that good stuff. Not so good stuff. Um, but so uh, let's jump into it uh, and uh, have our co-host introduce herself and then our guest, uh, Brianna. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you, Justine. Hi, um, I'm Brianna Casagnazzi. I am one of the um, editors-in-chief with Justine at Solar Punk Magazine. And Yasmin? Hi, I'm Yasmin. I am a lawyer and a writer from Belém, Brazil. And I just and I just made a short story for the Amazo Futuro Ontology. And I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for being here. Uh, and so, yeah, we are here to talk to Yasmin um, about her story, about the Amazo Futuro anthology that is coming out. Uh, it just, well, with a couple days ago, a few days ago, um, funded on um, Catarse, which is a version of like kind of like Kickstarter. And uh, so that's really exciting. I, I, it looks like it's going to uh, reach the English translation stretch goal too. Um, so I'm really excited about that because I don't speak Portuguese uh, and I really want to read it. So yeah, let's let's jump in and talk about the book and the story and solar punk, Amazofuturism, uh, all of that good stuff. Bree, do you want to start us off with a question? Uh, yep, thank you, Justine, for that uh, introduction. So yeah, our first question is, how would you describe and define Amazofuturism? I would describe Amazofuturism as an artistic movement that tried to imagine new futures for the indigenous peoples and the Amazonian region. Avoiding the pessimistic view of cyberpunk, for example, it comprises of visual art, fashion, and most recently, literature. It started in 2019 with João Queiroz's project called Amazofuturismo, and he published it on the internet, many illustrations of indigenous people living in an utopic future a really amazing you should check it out <laughs> that was actually my next question was when and how did it start um and i think it's really wonderful yes me that you are um bringing up the uh involvement of, of indigenous people in this artistic movement yeah and i've actually um seen some of their art it's it is really really amazing um, I've tried to get a hold of them. I haven't heard back from them. If they're listening to this, maybe they'll maybe they'll hear it and get back. Um, we would love to use a, a piece of their art for one of our covers. Um, so that's why we're trying to get in touch with them. Um, so maybe maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. If not, that's okay. The art is really amazing. Excellent. Great. Great. Um, yeah. So moving on, our next question is: So tell us about the new book, Amazo Futuro and how it fits into the context of the broader Amazofuturist movement. Well, the Amazofuturist movement in literature is very recent. There was the book Amazofuturist by Roger Pietro and, uh, and that is available on Amazon. It portrays like a Brazilian Wakanda in an indigenous tribe. 
really sounds amazing. I can't wait to mm -hmm. read it. And the other previous book was the Encantarias Anthology, made by people from actually Amazonas state, one of the states of the Amazonian Brazilian region. And also there is Triceratops magazine by Severus that is also publishing this anthology that features an interview with Joao Queiroz about Amazonism and also a short story by Duda and got her surname now and Adidas and it has 20, 20 others from all Brazil and they really try to to advertise it since last year and they try also they had a great effort in calling indigenous people to write this as well but unfortunately it wasn't possible no, we really try it yeah i believe that brazilian political and economic situation especially of the indigenous people you can call them you can also add the legal that the legal situation of them everything is so is so uncertain for them i don't Mm -hmm. Because you have to, if you were a writer, you have to have some piece to read, to write, and etc. And to find, look for ontologists to publish your mm -hmm. short story. And I probably it wasn't really the best time for them to do it. Right, right. Well, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot going on down there, though. Um, I mean, the the whole Amazon Futuro movement in in general, but uh, within the the literature section of it too. Um, sounds like that, um, there's a lot of really exciting things happening down in Brazil. Yeah, there are artists from all Brazil, and we really try to advertise. And thanks also to you that we could achieve the 100% goal. Yeah. <laughs> and that we are at least able to publish in Portuguese. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's Now awesome. we're heading for the English translation and hardcover if everything works out. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sure it will. Yeah, and I was I was excited to donate to the uh, to to the fund uh, to get the Portuguese version done, um, just because it's such an important. I think it's an important an important anthology just in the history, not not just for Amazofuturism, but for solar punk too. Um, I think there's there's a lot of similarities between the two um, that we can yeah. talk about in a little bit. Yes, I mean, I'm curious about the story that you wrote for the anthology. It's called, uh, and I apologize if I if I butcher the Portuguese, um, it's uh, Domando Mares Eventos, is that right? Oh, Close. it sounds like Spanish, oh, not yeah. like Portuguese. <laughs> How would Portuguese you say Portuguese is harder to pronounce. <laughs> Domando Mares Eventos, but I changed the title a little bit for a singular nouns because I think it sounds better, so we would translate as Taming the Sea and the Wind. Nice. Yeah, it, it sounds um, much more poetic in Portuguese than Spanish, I, I must admit. Um, okay, so yeah, so so you wrote that story. Uh, it's in at the Amazon Futuro uh, anthology. So tell us a little bit about the story uh, and how, how you think it sort of fits into the, the genre of Amazon Futurism in general. Well, I found many ways to answer that question because like a friend of mine when he read it he said wow like looks like the there is a typhoon in your head and you and you put every, everything in just eight pages <laughs> <laughs> there's there, there's a lot there's a lot that goes on in, in the story but it's it's a fun story 
My story is set in a distant future after the bi a biological weapon nearly wiped out humanity from the earth. The only thing that saved mankind was the tradition of knowledge and the organic crops from the global south countries that completely changed the geopolitical and economic economic situation of the world. Then it is set in a town called Salinopolis that is located in the Salgado region of the state of Pará, my state, in Brazil. It's 200 kilometers from here. And, and it's also is where part of my family comes from, including, <laughs> including an indigenous ancestor. And then, and then there is this girl named Yara, and she's named after an, an indigenous legend of a mermaid that an enchanted man would open the forest, and but she would lure them to be drowned with a singing. But unlike the legend, she mm -hmm. wasn't a good, wasn't really a good singer. <laughs> but she didn't know that. It was it was almost like Florence Jenkins was wasn't a Brazilian Amazon in the future. <laughs> And then she she is a very ambitious girl. And even though she lives in a post-capitalist country, she has this really clear to herself that she has to be important. She has to be more than the others. And she has to live the exactly the life that her idol, Melissa Ticona, ex-Kasiki, in the day of today, it would be equivalent to, to a president, the president of the country position. Right. She would like to live the life just, just like her idol and do everything she do. do. <laughs> yeah. But this plan goes wrong. And then after after the audition, she went she goes to the park to think about what happened, what to do next, uh -huh. and cry about nobody seeing her. In this moment she found a wounded old woman. And when she, when Yara reaches out to help her, the old woman very unexpectedly tells her about a scheme, a plan to kill Malaysia Tikuna and the ambassador of Fiji. On the Fiji Islands, there was going to great holiday party that was going to happen on the next days. Precisely the one she was wanted to sing it. She was really scared. And she tries to ask for help, ask for help for the lady that fainted on the next moment and for her greatest fear she sees exactly that exact politician that is organizing the whole thing the old woman she gave yara a mirror a small mirror mm -hmm. but it didn't know but yara didn't know what it was for she only said that if she wasn't me she should use it but yara came home Started by all of this, but her priorities suddenly changed when she saw the newcoming Fijians, almost almost everyone around her age, and she finds one that she thinks is handsome. And then, interested in the guy, she decided to change change her priorities and, let, and help them with directions for the Covina Beach. The <laughs> 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 responsible teenager would do. And then she is really excited about the party that was going to happen and, and a dance presentation with the Fijians. She arrives late because she wants to dress up well and she really wants to forget the whole story of the morning. <laughs> she eventually kisses 
Tomasi on the party after a few cultural differences there and Portuguese Fijian cognates there are cognates that are just okay. sounds funny and weird at the same time they manage their cultural differences and go through all of that but in the middle of the party her brother disappears and then she knew he had something to do with the scheme this political scheme was also trying to bring back the imperial era that was the way in the future the era between Colombo's discovery of the Americas and the end of the world war caused by the biological weapon and the victory of the global south the imperial era would be I don't know explain much of the detail on this story but sure. I can explain it here <laughs> if you'd like go for it uh, it is characterized by modern the modern ideals of one country or one kind of people mm-hmm. dominating the entire world trying to imitate the Roman Empire yeah sounds sounds familiar. again and again yeah <laughs> about the Amazon futurism how it fits yeah well it is it was a really um overwhelming mixture of my experience as a as an Amazonian that lives in a big town the stories that my mother told me about either my indigenous grandmother and uh, and other relatives as well and herself because she also grew up in this town and by the the things of valuing the all the knowledge mm-hmm. all the natural knowledge and culture that comes with the past there was also a great influence of my of what I researched in the research project that I am about indigenous peoples in the Americas and the ter- and the territorial rights and the indigenous mm-hmm. land rights sounds fascinating and and many of the discoveries that I made such as the traditional Brazilian Jewish party is that is nearly the same as the European midsummer but with regional re- regional food was actually invented by the Indians to celebrate the harvest hmm. right when I when I knew that a few months after I knew about the anthology I decided that I would need uh, everything you know blended up and I and I created a holiday that didn't exist just before <laughs> June party that uh cassava so, day yes it yeah. would be the manioc day oh, mm-hmm. because manioc was one of the organic crops that saved mankind from the catalaxy virus the biological weapon and being able to wipe it out the earth right and also now I decided that my story is a little bit like I believe it was kind of a subversion of the proposal of the anthology. Huh? I was really surprised when it passed <laughs> because I I decided to represent a, pl- a places and images of the Amazon that nobody uh, not many people know about, especially from abroad. Hmm. Such as we ha- also have beaches. We are near the Atlantic Ocean. We have mm-hmm. a region near the Atlantic Ocean, where the Amazonian forest ends and the beaches begin. And there are palm trees. There is sea breeze and a whole different culture. Not really different, but 
no, mm -hmm. something you might not expect. Sure. Sure. I mean, maybe that's why it got chosen too, is because it, it, it does paint a picture of the Amazon that is sort of unique and in, uh, in the sense that it's not, uh, not what you see in, in sort of the popular media images. Yeah. I try to bring this unexpected view. And also when I, this year was really atypical because of the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. And like many people, I expanded a lot my social circle. I made two virtual international internships, and in one of them, I met some people from abroad because it was, first of all, it was a full scholarship to a virtual internship in Fiji. Oh, wow! And and when I when I learned about the Fijian culture, I was startled on how similar it is to ours, even though there is no traces of contact. They also eat, eat manioc. Their language hmm. has the same vogue, vocal sounds as the Portuguese. It's like the same. The consonants are also very similar. So wow. if a Fijian wants to learn Portuguese, it would be easier than it is for you, for hmm. example. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's interesting. The, and also the indigenous cultures are sim very similar as well in some rituals. Hmm. I wonder... Also uh, the historic of can cannibalism. There is also always very similar thing. Right, right. And the Christian colonialism and the sugarcane plantations they had with the indentural labor of the Indians in Fiji. Mm -hmm. And in Brazil, we have, we have with the, nobody knows the story. The Africans. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's the Africans. Uh huh. Right. So I try to work out work out the idea that yes, I should talk about the Amazon, but the Amazon doesn't have to be a cliche. It has a very diverse population. Actually, the most diverse population of Brazil. Seventy percent of the population of the northern region that comprises nearly all the Amazon, um, legal Amazon territory in Brazil is made up by mixed blood people like me mm -hmm. who has either Indian, Black and White descent. Right, right. We also call them OS, the Caboclos or Pardos. And, you know, there are a lot of people that you can't really identify. Is he or she white, Black, mm -hmm. Indian? I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> try to I try to bring the Amazon there. people are going to expect but also I wanted to bring a vision that is different from Wakanda for example mm -hmm. Amazonfuturism is really inspired in Afrofuturism right and that also makes sense because we have on the one of the largest black populations that will comprise the mixed blood and actually black ethnicity of Brazil. Mm -hmm. So we, we really identify with that. We have many black culture, culture as well, but we don't have to be an isolated tribe. Why not use the old idea of the national state to bring it international? We have capacity and I believe, and I also had an idea also that was born from my research. The indigenous peoples, they, in Brazil, especially, they always have to deal with unexpected problems with really, really serious things and I believe they, there is a great diplomatic potential in there it's hidden most of the diplomats in Brazil are white but mm, I believe sure. if they call <laughs> an Indian to do the job 
I believe they would they they would handle it really easily. Right, I'm sure. That's why I will. That's why I try to bring the the an uh, international look for it as well. They would easily deal with new cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's super oh. important too, and it's uh, one one of the things that Amazofuturism and solar punk have in common is that sort of international perspective um, and looking to bring in a, a wide and diverse diverse number of and amount of voices. I really appreciate that explanation, particularly about the really fascinating connections between Fijian culture and history and, and Brazilian. Um, I didn't know that and it, it really kind of puts a new light Me on too. the story after having read it, yeah. <laughs> my mentor and I were really surprised also the music is kind of like as well mm-hmm. and it would, it would never I would never expect that, that. sure that, that yeah that's fascinating I mean I wonder if it's just I wonder if they navigated an ocean <laughs> yeah. to the Pacific and mm-hmm. nobody knew right it, it's possible <laughs> it's certainly possible so I uh I mean it just sort of mentions uh and have, we, we've I've, we've sort of touched on the idea of the the similarity between Amazofuturism and solar punk. Um, so I want to read just a, a brief passage uh, from from your story, and this is this is through Google Translate. Um, I think this section did did was, was translated pretty well, um, but feel free to, to correct me if you, <laughs> if you're like no 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 that's not what it says. Um, but it's it's just a short passage, uh, so uh, and I and I think it's sort of relevant to the idea of of the similarities between the two. Um, so and this is towards the very end of the story. So it says, as soon as she left, Yara called the mothers to talk, saying it was important. I do not know what to do. I thought I had a way, and now I feel lost. I think I know what it is, Luciana said. You want to control everything around you, but have you ever stopped to think that there's not only one way in life? Like this? Simple. Tell me something, daughter. Who can stop the rain and the sea? Who can hold it? We made containment barriers to protect ourselves, but they still adjust to the flow of the tides. They're in harmony with them. In Fiji, they managed to harness the cyclones to generate energy, but they don't control them. They just keep it from doing damage. Life is like nature. We have to keep in harmony with what's coming at the moment, adapting as we can. If we try to control everything, we won't enjoy anything. Uh, yeah. So, so aside from I think being a really a well-written and beautiful passage. That's correct. Yeah. Good. Um, I think it, it uh, it's a great example of one of the similarities, at least, between Amazofuturism and solar punk, um, which is this sort of you know set in a future where we have achieved or at least are really striving to achieve, and maybe are a lot closer than now, certainly. To, to achieving a sort of balance between humanity and technology and nature, right? Where all of those things are sort of in harmony instead of in conflict like they are now, or like they are in cyberpunk, uh, which which um, solar punk sort of was born out of. So I'm I'm curious to what, just what you think in general about the similarities between Amazofuturism and solar punk and maybe what, what a couple of those similarities are. I believe, like I said before, we try to an optimistic future because if we are too pessimistic maybe it can impact the real world it would no maybe it can make people feel otherwise if we are on uh, cyberpunk 
only idea of future. Maybe it will leave people hopeless and unable to fight for change. Also, there is this utopia idea that may or not be present, but there is no way that uh, the Amazofutorians can ever be dystopian. Mm -hmm. And also there is this focus for diversity and in every way that I also try to put in the story. And actually, I actually researched about gender. When it is predicted that gender equality will, will happen. And then I pushed it through the <laughs> very far future. <laughs> right. Because of that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's still, and an, well, it's still an issue here in the United States too, but probably more more so in Brazil, the, the issue of gender equality. So yeah, I mean, those that those are all, I think, really poignant, important similarities between the between the two genres, optimism, hope, all, all of that. And and I liked what you said about um, the utopia and the idea of utopia, right? Because and it's one of the things that I, I think is really fascinating about solar punk in particular is that not all of the stories are utopias, right? I mean, the, the word utopia is used a lot of times when when talking about solar punk. Um, because that's what we're striving for. But I think also, you know, if we're be we're all being realistic, we know that, a, a, you know, a perfect like end state kind of utopia is never going to exist, right? So it's, I think it's, and, and, and two, just in terms of literature, it's much more interesting and fascinating when there's conflict happening, right? So, and, and- Utopias are boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, and so, you know, every, every solar punk story, just like every Amazon futurist story, you know, it might not be a, a, a utopia or a perfect utopia because that's impossible. And and people are are striving for something better. And then that's very obvious in the stories. So um, we had one more question. You already talked quite a bit about it. So but maybe if you just have some like closing comments on the idea of what the role and importance that Brazil's indigenous tribes and voices play in the stories that, you know, not just your story, but the stories that are in the anthology in general. Well, as I, as I talked with the other authors, many of them really research a lot about the existing indigenous culture. And one of them told me something really interesting. She's not from the Amazon, but she has indigenous ancestors, mm -hmm. just like me. Mm -hmm. And then she tried to imagine, not really, she researched about the indigenous people living today, but she did not want to frame just that. She wanted to imagine a future where when the big town, big cities are dominated by the indigenous communities, you know, that you can see them walking to and fro about not only walking, actually ruling and being an important voice in society as today they are very silenced mm -hmm. just like just like i said before it was it was really hard to reach out to the indigenous peoples and they tried it for months and months but we have to recognize some things about brazil first one if you run on white in brazil it will it will be hard for you to be a writer and think about publishing it that's my case as I write, I write Cyberpunk and, uh, and uh, Amazon is 2016, but I really was afraid to publish anything until this year. This actually mm. is my first short story published. Oh, congratulations. So, <laughs> thanks. So I, and I met lots of writers, especially women that 
feel that because of they are of the northern region, for example, and probably this would happen with the indigenous people as well, they may feel as less than, like the voice, mm -hmm. the voice doesn't mm -hmm. deserve to be heard. But this is just the opposite. It's pre precisely because of the absence that this voice is must be heard. Either by those who have the conditions to write that actually seek do a serious research about them to try to to try to write on write about the culture, the rituals with respect. Because it cannot be just uh, oh I imagine it might be it won't actually work. <laughs> it have to be you have to reset the foot in the reality. Right. But if they if they are inspired by it and they try to write about it, there are a few ones in Brazil that write indigenous futurists, but not Amazon futurists. Mm, right, right. But if these voices that aren't heard right now could multiply later on, I would be really happy to see that happen. Yeah. I believe I, when I discovered that I passed in the ontology and then was if there was a group of the other others, I felt like I was you know, the ugly duck or something. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, oh my <laughs> god, where are the people from the from Amazon? Really? Mm -hmm. Not much. Where are the women? Not much. Oh my god. I thought it was completely different. Well, no, that's great. I mean, I think that, you know, that, that makes it all the more important. Um, you know, that, that you're helping get stories from those perspectives out uh, in, in not just Brazil, but in Brazil, uh, but the rest of the world too, uh, certainly once the book is translated. We uh, sure, are, so the, my uh, mentor in Fiji and my other friends who gave me uh, inspiration could read as well because they do speak Portuguese. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it seems like a hard language. So we're, we are um, unfortunately almost out of time. Brianna, uh, do you have any kind of closing thoughts? I mean, maybe particularly on this last question of indigenous voices in, in solar punk and in literature and art in general? Yeah, yeah. So Yasmin, everything you've said has been absolutely fascinating and important to me. Everything from your, your writing being informed by your ethnic and cultural background to you taking a, an international twist with the story by um, introducing Fijian culture and how it's similar and dissimilar to Brazilian culture is just absolutely solar punk, <laughs> to put it simple. It is very solar punk. Specifically on indigenous voices, I think it's wonderful how aware you are. I mean, coming from uh, indigenous ancestry, as you've said, it's just fantastic that you are taking the time not only to uh, look back at your own uh, foothold in indigenous uh, Amazon ancestry and all and the mix of cultures that are that come from Brazil, but also doing your research into indigenous cultures. I think that you have the makings of, of a very great international author now, and I, mm -hmm. I really look forward to the work you produce in the future. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe uh, maybe one of these days we could we could get a story for Solar Punk magazine from you. That would be awesome. Oh, I would love to. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to be sure to stay in touch with you. I about also write that. in English, but I also write in English. Yeah, either way, I mean, you could you could write it in Portuguese or English. If you write it in Portuguese, we could, I mean, we you know we could have it translated, or we could publish it side by side, you know, like uh, the Portuguese and the and the translated version. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Oh, I really love, would love to. 
Yeah, great. Well, we will definitely- Cyberpunk is amazing. It's fun, huh? I know. And I think, you know, and like Amazofuturism, just really important, you know, it's, it's important that we are telling more stories that give us a sense that there's a, there is a better future ahead because we need that a lot. We really do need it now. You know, and, and we can't, you know, we're never going to solve these big problems like climate change and white supremacy and war and imperialism, all of these things, unless we can imagine a better future first, because that gives us the inspiration to, to make it happen in the real world. So. Yeah, we want to thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us about your story, about the anthology, about Amazofuturism. Uh, and we look forward to talking with you again and working with you in the future. Well, thanks for having me here. Also, thank you for taking the time to listen. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, my crazy thoughts. <laughs> no, it was so much fun. So uh, we hope you have a good day and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Oh, I hope you have also a good day. Great, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.